With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is September 13th, 2016, and it's just a really nice, cool rain outside right now. I am so excited because fall is just right around the corner, and I absolutely love fall. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you also know that that means our annual Halloween shindig is going to be coming up, and so I've got lots of planning to do. I've got to get Alfred the giant spider outside and put him up. Actually, I can't even put him up. He's too big. I need help putting him up. He has just a really huge body. His body is one of those large um, water containers, big plastic water containers that they use um, in fields and things like that. I think it's huge. I don't even know what it's officially called. Probably not called that. But anyway, it's really big. And then I use PVC pipes to make the legs. And so the legs are in two pieces. Um, I don't even remember how long those are. Six to eight feet. I don't know. They're long is the point. <laughs> and then there's two pieces of them. So Alfred, the giant spider, needs to get out uh, very soon, probably sooner than usual, just because he's been tucked away for so long. And we can see him uh, over by one of our buildings, and you can see his eyes because they glow in the dark. Occasionally it freaks out the animals, which is, I have to say, a little bit entertaining. I'm not going to lie. That's actually kind of funny. So anyway, today is a great Day and my head is swimming with all sorts of developmental psychology information because I have a quiz today to take. So I've been studying for the last couple of days with that and, and just going over all the information. It's so much fun. I absolutely am loving my, my graduate class. And then I, start, I picked up a book called um, Presuasion, and I cannot remember the author's name, but he wrote years ago the book Influence. And this book, Presuasion, just came out, and I, and I got it on Audible, of course. And I just started listening to it. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot because I haven't gotten that far into it. But I love the style of the author, but I also love the style of the narrator um, in the book. And so I'm, I can't wait to, to get through that book. I've also been um, listening to a book called um, Sapiens. Fascinating book. This book is more like a lecture series. Um, it's 20-some-odd chapters. It's kind of like listening to or reading uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, it's one of those sorts of books, and there's a lot of information there, and so you have to listen to it a little bit of time and then digest and chat about it with other people. It's that sort of thing, but also great, great book. So check those out. It's called Sapiens, and then the other one is Persuasion. That one, as I said, just released, um, I think this week, no, last week, sometime last week it released. So today, of course, we'll be talking about books and, and book releases with an author right here, right now. I want to bring Trace Conger onto the program. 
he has written a book called The Shadow Broker, which was the first one. Actually, he wrote a book before that, but the first one in the series is Shadow Broker. And I downloaded the sample for that, and so I read it last night. And I have to say, I love his style of writing, and I don't know how to describe it. So I'm going to let him describe how he writes. Um, if you go over to Amazon, you'll see that one of the descriptions about him is this, his writing is very tight, and it, it truly is. Um, so I love that. This particular book, The Shadow Broker, won the 2015 Seamus Award for Best Indie PI Novel, which I'm so envious of that right now. I really should look into that, but I haven't yet. But in any case, he's here to talk about his latest book. So, Trace, welcome to Back Porch Writer. How are you? I'm doing well, Corey. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show and, and really happy to participate. So what is the book that's out now? Because I was about Shadow Broker, which, like I said, I'm really enjoying reading that sample. Just started it last night. Great. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy to like hear your that. Style. So the Shadow, thanks. The Shadow Broker was the first uh, novel in the Mr. Finn series, so that kind of kicks everything off and really introduces readers to who Mr. Finn is and why he does the things that he does. Uh, the second book in the series was called Scar Tissue, which came out last year. And then the book that I just launched uh, officially yesterday uh, is The Prison Guard Son. So that's kind of the third uh, novel in the series uh, and kind of takes Finn to somewhat of a, of a more emotional and kind of a darker, a darker place than he goes in the first two, if, if, you, can, if you can believe that. Because I think the first two are pretty dark in their own right. But, uh, but the third one is, is um, loosely based on a, a real-life child murder, which uh, having two young kids myself was, uh, was you know, very emotional uh, and very dark to read about. So mm. I wanted to leverage that and kind of channel some of, the, some of the emotion and the feelings that came out of that real-world case. It's kind of a jumping-off point for, for Finn in the third novel. So uh, it was, um, I think the third novel was, in, in my opinion, was the most fun to write, I think, because I had already had two novels under my belt, and the whole process was a little less intimidating than, you know, than the first two mm -hmm. were, but... And as far as my mm -hmm. writing style, I, uh, I uh, have a background in corporate writing and freelance writing. And in those industries, you have to write very tight. There's not a lot of fluff. I mean, it's, a lot of it is kind of boring, mundane business you know, stuff anyway. But there's no fluff. And, and so a lot of that it really just transitioned over into the way that I, I write fiction. So it's, I think it's very mm -hmm. uh, similar to kind of some of the old pulpy novels where you know, you mm -hmm. don't get a lot of flowery language. You really just just get the story. So, right, and I love that your style. It reminds me of that's the style I write. I write. I I don't like a lot of fluff, and I don't like to read a lot of fluff. And the, another author who is like that is a guy named John Rector, who was on the program in my first year. And so, if you've never looked into his books, he's out in Nebraska, and he's he writes okay. some great books, um, but real tight like that too. And you get totally enthralled. You're just – I couldn't put the, – the one of the books that I read from him out of the black, I couldn't put it down. I was done in like two days <laughs> reading that yeah. book because it, I just was completely into this book. Um, and so that's kind of what I was finding myself doing last night when I was reading this. And, you know, there was a storm, and, and so I got – I went to – I was reading your, your book, and then I fell asleep. Then there's a storm, and I'm like, oh, I'll read a little bit more. <laughs> like, Hopefully you know, my so book isn't what puts you to sleep. Oh, no, but see, my habit is reading fiction at night. So yeah. it, it is what puts me to sleep. It has nothing to do or doesn't say anything about the whether the book is good. It's just a habit that I have. Um, the, the reverse of that, I can't read nonfiction at night because it'll keep me up and, and all that. So it's just a habit I've had for a long time. But I like the way that you write uh, quite a bit. Now, I just read about the book that you have out now, 
um, the prisoner's son, right? And I, um, I'm not sure I could read that because, as you just pointed out, it's about that murder of these kids. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that would just be so hard for me. So I can't imagine writing that. So how long did it take you to write the book? And did you have to take moments and just stop because it became too much? You know, I'm kind of in a fortunate situation because I do uh, still do a lot of freelance writing, but I do not have like the typical nine to five job. So, you know, freelancing really affords me the opportunity to work a lot more on my fiction projects than I would, you know, if I was in a, in a typical, say, office setting. So I tend to write, right. because of that, I tend to write pretty quickly. And um, I think I actually wrote, and, and The Prison Guard Son is on the, it's the shorter of the three novels. I think it comes in at about, gosh, I want to say about 60,000 words, and I think the other two were around 80,000. So all that to say, I think I actually wrote the first draft probably in about three or four months. And then, of course, it went through beta review. It went through uh, you know editing. So there, obviously there was, it probably doubled the time frame. But it was probably about eight or nine months, um, you know, complete for the complete process but you know you're absolutely right because i read about uh the bolger the james bolger case gosh probably about six eight years ago and it struck a nerve so deep that i i mean i haven't forgotten it you know it's one of those things that that doesn't go away Mm -hmm. you know as a crime author you know i read a lot about that type of stuff my my wife always is like a little, a little curious as to why I read some of the things I do but you know just for research you want to you want to kind of learn how people operate and some of these crimes that actually happened and and it was very very difficult to read about and to research it it is not, it wasn't difficult to write about and i would definitely stress that you know the um the the book itself is not a graphic depiction of, of what happened if you go you can go back and read the case files on this case this happened in england in 1993 and it was it's horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely horrific what mm-hmm. happened to this little boy. And, you know, that that part doesn't really make it into the book. You know, it was not my goal to kind of retell, you know, what happened. I just essentially mm-hmm. kind of used this idea of these two child murderers who are now in witness protection, which I found absolutely fascinating. There's so many fascinating things about the Bulger case. I mean, you had you had two killers who were uh, 10 years old at the time. They murdered Bulger himself was only two. Uh, and you and, and they were the youngest at the time, the youngest uh, you know convicted murderers in England. They were tried as adults, which also never happened over there. Um, just as for two, for ten year olds, it just se- seems crazy. And uh, they served mm-hmm. years in, in kind of a juvenile detention. It wasn't even a prison. But when they were released, because the crime, the government thought it was so heinous, they thought you know vigilantes were going to come after these two kids. Once they got out, they're going to have no shot you know, at a real life. So they gave them new identities and basically put them in kind of what we would call witness protection, even though they weren't really witnesses. And I mean, that, to me, that was fascinating on so many levels. And I thought, well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's about the makings of kind of a plot point here. And one of the things that I've always tried to do in the Mr. Finn series is each book, kind of the antagonist or the person that Finn has to find, um, it gets harder and harder, you know, and so I thought I was really looking for what would be the hardest type of person to find, you know, that just your normal PI wouldn't be able to locate. Mm-hmm. And I kept coming back to witness protection because no one, if they follow the rules, no one has ever been found in witness protection. And so I thought, well, that's what I need to do. So now I need to figure out who I'm going to put in witness protection. And then I just kept, I could not forget about that case and those two kids who were now grown up adults who were in, you know, a similar program and, and that just kind of all melded together and I'm like, well, there's the there's the plot right there. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you explained that to me because I, like I said, I would have a hard time reading it. But now that I know that I won't be reading all of those details, <laughs> I think I could probably handle it. it might be a little yeah. easier for me. Uh, yeah, so, and I would say, I, you know, I learned my lesson in the in the first book. I think the first book, the Shadow Broker, is a little more graphic than the other two. But um, yeah, given the subject matter of the third one, which I think is, is very emotional at its core, you know, it, it really does not get into the details. It's much more the story about, you know, how does Finn find these these people? And then and there's really there's a moral mm-hmm. struggle there because when Finn first takes the case, he's thinking great, you know, these guys are horrible people, they need to be found, they need to be dealt with, uh, and he kind of sets mm-hmm. all that emotion aside, but as he gets into the case and he's in, and investigating and he finds out who these people really are, you know, there's this whole idea of, well, maybe people change, and, you know, yeah, they did a horrible thing, but, you know, look at what they're doing now, so he's got a lot of internal struggle mm-hmm. going on in this book about, because he knows what's going to happen if he, once he turns over, you know, their whereabouts, I mean, he, he knows what the, the next step is in that process, so he really struggles with it. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned this is a series, but can I get the impression I could read them independent of each other? Can I? Or is there an actual string that goes through each one of the books? So I have to start with number one. You don't have to. Um, number three, The Prison Guard Son, actually works probably pretty well as a standalone. There are definitely some smaller storylines and plot points that have you read, you know, the first two, you'll definitely get more out of it, but you could pick that book up and read it and still get a lot out of it. Um, The second one is almost scar tissue is almost a direct continuation of the first one. Um, And a new Mm -hmm. plot though, new major plot, new antagonist. So again, you would probably still Mm -hmm. get something out of that one, but if you want the whole experience and you want to see the, you know, the common threads that kind of go throughout and kind of how, kind of evolves uh, as a character, uh, I would definitely advocate um, reading them in order. But you don't, you don't have to to get, mm-hmm. to get some experience there. Mm-hmm. Now, you ended up with, on that first one on Shadow Broker, I think it is, you had over 150 reviews for that book so far. How did you do that? Um, it all came down to I did a, uh, a book bub promotion in which I gave mm. the shadow broker away for free. I had just published um, Scar Tissue, and I thought, well, you know, I, I want to get this out. Because it's somewhat of a continuation, um, I wanted to get the first novel in as many hands as I could, uh, hoping that they would, you know, um, then buy into the second. Uh, so I, I did a book bub promotion, and I gave away in one day, uh, I gave away, I think it was 54,000 copies. Um, Holy cow! All, all all ebooks, yeah. So a lot of those, you know, um, it really boosted a lot of things. It boosted sales of the second book, um, yeah. and it actually even boosted sales of the first book because it was only free for a short time. But there was still kind of this residual effect afterwards, where people were coming back to buy it. But um, but I, I think about a hundred of those reviews. I think I had fifty reviews before that. And about 100 of them, I think, came almost directly as a result, um, I believe. I have no no way of tracking the actual where the reviews come from, but I believe it was a result of that. Because, I mean, it was just astronomical in the number of people who downloaded that book. Mm-hmm. So how what was the process for getting that BookBub ad for you? So it was interesting because, <clears throat> as some of your readers might know, BookBub is, is very selective in who they pick. And I think they only do, like... Um, one or two, at least when I when I did it, they only would spotlight like one or two books a day. So it was extremely competitive to get in. 
and they were extremely selective because of that. Because I mean, you were, you know, you were competing with some big time publishers, you know, who are also using the mm-hmm. service. Um, so you could be mm-hmm. competing with say James Patterson or, or Lee Child to get your book out there. And um, <laughs> the first time I did it, um, and no, the, the other thing I'll mention is no one really knows what the selection criteria is. You know, I've always heard that it has to have a lot of good reviews. It has to be out for a certain period of time, but they don't really publish that. So it's kind of like this secret fraternity about, you know, who knows how they really select these titles. But the first time I had submitted, I uh, uh, didn't get in. You know, they sent me a nice little form letter about 24 hours later. Again, not explaining why uh, your book didn't make it. <laughs> it wasn't a good fit. And then the second time, uh, I submitted again a few weeks later, and uh, – they, uh, it, for some reason, it was selected for a promotion in Canada and the UK, but not in the US. And I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Huh. And I actually shot to the top of the charts in Canada. So that kind of told me that, you know, hey, maybe there's, you know, something to this. I mean, I'm <laughs> seeing some results from this. Right. And then I had won the Seamus Award. Uh, and then I thought, well, all right, I got a little bit of clout now. So when I went back to BookBub and I submitted it for a third time, I mentioned this award. And, and then it got picked up right away. So I don't know if the award had anything to do with it. It may have. But, I mean, BookBub doesn't really do a great a great job of telling you the specific criteria. But, um, I, you know, I have a feeling it has a lot to do with, you know, your reviews uh, and, and kind of how long the book has been out there. So, yeah, but that that was tremendous, and I think that led to a lot of reviews. But I also, even before then, you know, I had in my marketing plan a big push to get – uh, reviews. So, you know, I went to uh, readers who I knew had uh, reviewed books similar to The Shadow Broker, and I also went to a lot of book bubs, or sorry, book blogs, offering you know complimentary review copies, uh, and saw a lot of reviews that way. So, I think that I think that kind of helped my chances there. Mm-hmm. How much time do you devote to the marketing side? You know, I devote a lot at the book launch, and then that definitely trails off, I would say, the first four weeks after the book uh, has been out. Um, You know, I'm already starting the fourth book, and, you know, if I had all the time in the world, I would love to just, you know, market this nonstop um, because, uh, you know, I I think I'm a big believer in marketing and its effectiveness to move copies. But, you know, I mean, if you did that, if you spent all your time marketing, you're not going to write. And and I'm more interested in, in marketing this for a few weeks and then moving on, moving on to the next book. So, um, but I typically, you know, market quite a bit at the launch and then leading up to the launch about the first, maybe six weeks up to the launch. I do a lot of marketing because some of the book blogs that I approach won't review books once they're out. So they want advanced copies. Um, so, you know, I, I pay a lot of, uh, pay a lot of attention to those guys before the book comes out. Um, and then, uh, you know, I still hit, uh, book bloggers pretty hard, um, after the, the launch, because I think that they're, they're big influencers. And, you know, I think overall, I think book marketing is still a mystery to a lot of people. What works for you won't work for me and vice versa. It's definitely kind of mysterious. So I try to cover all the bases that I can, not exactly knowing what's going to work, but, um, but yeah, about, I'd say about four about four weeks after launch, and then I kind of ease off, and, and I'm on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me about the Seamus Award. I I had another author on, either I think it was last year, who also uh, received that award or was nominated. I can't remember now, but it came up then. So tell me about your experience with it. Sure. Well, the Seamus Award is put on by the PI Writers of America, and they honor books who – has uh, who feature a, a PI protagonist, 
but it can't be like a detective. It can't be, I believe, a police procedural. I mean, it has to, it has to be kind of a, a very <clears throat> clearly defined PI, which Finn is. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's an open submission process. There's no fee. Anyone can submit um, there. I, I don't know the URL, but if you use Google PR Writers of America, it's all outlined there exactly you know, the steps to follow to get your book in. And you have to send it to a variety of people. Uh, they only review paperback. So you have to get it to, um, you know, committee. I think I mailed out like five copies. Um, and they, they had it for several months. And then um, I got a, uh, a notice that I was on the short list about probably six or eight weeks before the BoucherCon convention, which I think just kicked off today, um, which is where they present the award. They, they've always presented it um, in tandem with that event. Um, and that's a big mystery, well, I think the largest mystery author convention, uh, I think, in the country. And um, so, uh, you know, I got the notice that I was shortlisted and uh, I went to the uh, to the convention and I thought, well, it'll be great if I win, but I really was not expecting it. I think I was up there with, I want to say like, you know, five or six other, other, uh, other novelists. And, you know, I, I did the thing where I went and checked them out, you know, once I, I saw the short list and I thought, gosh, all these, all these books sound really good. And, you know, I'm not going in there with any high hopes at all. And was, was really shocked when, when I, when I won the award and it made, it was on the first day of the convention. So it made the rest of the event, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was going to walk on cloud nine for the rest of the event, but. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So That's I encourage awesome. anyone to check it out. It's a great organization and, uh, uh, it's great. I mean, if you're a fan of PI and, and detective fiction, definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. So tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. The easiest place to find me is uh, on my website. It's uh, traceconger.com, uh, just T-R-A-C-E-C-O-N-G-E-R.com. Uh, I've got a newsletter there you can sign up for uh, to get uh, access to free fiction. Uh, I'm giving away a short story for anyone who signs up there. All my books are listed there, retail links. Um, the Prison Guard Sun, I'm kind of doing a, uh, a launch special since it launched yesterday. Um, for the next week, it'll be available in ebook format for 99 cents, and then uh, the price goes up uh, after this week. So if any readers want to grab that, they can do it now, kind of on the cheap. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, but the easiest way to get to me, even if you want to email me, is all through, uh, all through my website. So I love interacting with readers. I do a lot of you know, book clubs and things like that, so would love to, would love to hear from people. Oh, absolutely. Um, before I let you go, you brought up book clubs. How do you go about managing that, doing that? You know, if if there's anything that's more mysterious than marketing in general, it's marketing to book clubs. They're very hard to find, uh, and a lot of it is really kind of word of mouth. You know, it's not as though you can – there actually are services out there where, you know, you can find a book clubs, but – they're very few and far between. A lot of it is just knowing someone who who is a part of one. Um, perhaps going to either a library or bookstore or coffee shop where book uh, book clubs tend to meet, uh, and finding them that way. And then I've always just uh, you know struck up a conversation and emailed someone directly and said, hey, I have this book. You know, if you read crime and you're interested, you know, check it out. I would love to you know either come in and talk to the group in person if you'd be interested in that. I've also done. Um, I did a book club in Chicago a while ago where it was all, you know, video conference via Skype. So I kind of got to see everyone and, and it was a great opportunity Very to, cool. you know, really engage right with them directly, which, you know, I think every author should do because, mm -hmm. you know, that's your audience and they, they want to hear from you. So it's a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Trace, for being on the program with me today. I, 
thoroughly enjoyed this, and now I have to go check out because, you know, I just got that sample. I'm going to have to go further <laughs> and get, get the rest of the story and check out this, this next one for sure. I want to thank you again for being on the show with me. Great. Thanks so much, Corey. I really appreciate it. You have a great day. You too. Thanks. So be sure to go check out all of Trace's books over on Amazon.com. Um, I was over there looking at everything earlier this morning. Um, and as I said, I started reading uh, Shadow Broker, really enjoying it. And now you know, he's going to have the other one, 99 cents. You need to check that out. And he did mention you could read that one and not read the other one right away. So you wouldn't be completely lost. So go check that out. Thank you so much for joining me here on Back Porch Writer. Until next time, pull up a chair, sit a spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.